0: Hey, Dr. Mike here. Did you know that some people in their nineties have the memory of a twenty-year-old? Well, stay tuned to find out the secrets to their ageless brain. You're listening to Live Foreverish, a show dedicated to helping you live just a little longer. Here's your host, Dr. Mike, and Dr. Crystal Gosser. All right, welcome to Live Foreverish. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, and of course, I'm here with Dr. Crystal. We have got a special guest here today talking about the Mindspan Diet. That's very interesting, Dr. Crystal. I'm—I need some help. Uh-oh. with my mind, getting, <laughs> getting up there, having the, having the little uh, brain farts here and there.
1: Well, I feel confident that our guests will be able to help you and help me and help many of you listening <laughs> as well.
0: All right. So our guest is Dr. Preston Estep. He is the director of gerontology at the Personal Genome Project at Harvard Medical School. He has founded or is a scientific advisor on many leading biotech startup companies, and he is the author of the book, the Mind Span Diet, Doctor Eastep. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, why don't we start off? Like, let's. We hear the word diet all the time, and I and I think for for what we're going to talk about. Correct me if I'm wrong, Doctor Eastep. That that's not really the direction we're going to go. So tell us what you mean right off the bat for the audience. Um, you know the main concept behind Mind
2: Span. Well, so first of all, you know diet. Um, is often uh, used to mean weight loss, right? You know, that's that's the typical use right. of the word diet, but especially in, in the publication of popular books. But a diet really um, uh, historically has meant a way of life. And so um, I think diet, you know, you're using the sort of ultra-traditional uh, usage of the, of the, the term diet um, is really appropriate here because uh, MindSpan diet describes not just, uh, it, it, it's actually, not at all about losing weight. It's about um, a lifestyle built around a style of eating and, and certain foods um, that people have eaten traditionally. Yeah. And so mind span uh, is means um, the, the longevity of your mind. And so there are a lot of books and a lot of uh, philosophies and concepts that um, that focus on longevity eating or longevity diets. But one of the things that I was dissatisfied with when I, when I read those books and when I considered these different philosophies is that they didn't consider how well your mind performed, how, how engaged you were, how, your, how well your memory worked over that uh, duration of your lifespan. So um, so I created this this concept called mind span to, uh, to extend this concept of lifespan because I thought that lifespan was not really the important uh, goal that all of us are trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve mind span, which means long lifespan of the high performance mm-hmm. mind.
1: Yeah, so tell us about the typical mind span. Like when when you were looking at the research, even with the longevity studies and seeing people who live longer, maybe their, their minds weren't keeping up with those years. Um, what would you say, w- would you characterize as the typical mind span and, and then the next thing would be, you know, how many healthy years could we potentially add on when, and when I say healthy years, healthy mind years, could we potentially add on?
2: So let's start with, uh, with overall longevity, uh, or, 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 lifespan. So, b- b- or, or life expectancy, which is a typical measure of, of you know, h- how uh, public health agencies sort of measure um, how well people live, how how long they live. So global life expectancy at birth for women is is longer than men. Uh, it's about 75 years globally, and about 70 for men. Um, unfortunately, COVID <coughs> is going to uh, reduce that for. Uh, many developed countries for the first time in their histories, but um, for for women in the U.S. Uh, pre-COVID, uh, life expectancy was 81 years for men, 77. So about a four or five year difference. Um, but there's a there, there's again going back to this concept of mind span versus lifespan uh, in the U.S. and many. Uh, developed countries, especially uh, northern Western European countries, there's a very high burden of of dementia, of Alzheimer's disease, and other dementias that reduces the functional lifespan or reduces the mind span. So, if you compare the uh, the longevity of the Japanese, um, who are the the longevity leaders of the world, uh, women live about Uh, 87 years, men about 81. So there's about six six plus year difference, probably mainly due to heavier smoking by males. But they have a very low burden of Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. So uh, it's, uh, not only do they live uh, several years longer, but they uh, are more cognitively intact. Their memories function much better in older age. So the overall difference between uh, the typical Japanese and the typical, uh, or just historically, at least the typical Japanese and the the typical American is that uh, you get about a decade of difference, not only in lifespan, but in cognitive performance.
1: Wow, I wasn't expecting that many years for you to to tell us that because it just seems like, um, you know, even when you are doing the right things, you're following a healthy, healthy lifespan. A lot of times the, I guess the genetics start kind of coming into play. And, and so would you say that what you're, what you're doing with the MindSpan Diet or this approach is it combating genetics or, you know, what are you seeing as some of the underlying mechanisms related to the increased mind span?
2: So we know that genetics plays a role. Um, my, my background is in genetics. I'm a, I'm a geneticist, genome scientist. Uh, my PhD is in genetics. And so I, I actually came at this problem from the perspective of, of genetics but I found uh, in my research, and, and, and uh, I read a lot of um, very high quality research that suggested that genetics actually plays a minority role in, uh, in overall longevity and mind span. And some of the most convincing evidence we have of that is, um, is studies in which people move from one country to another, and they adopt local customs, local lifestyle, local diets. And so typically when a Japanese person moves out of Japan, uh, they bring their their traditional lifestyle and diets with them. So the first generation eats very similarly to the way that people eat in Japan and their mind spans, their longevity doesn't change much, but their children and their grandchildren uh, they typically start to have more of the lifespan and mind span of the local community in which they to which they moved. So, for example, Japanese who move to Hawaii, they start to acquire a lifespan and mind span or you know dementia rates uh, that are more typical for Hawaii. So we know that um, you know lifestyle, environmental factors like lifestyle and diet are more important than genetics. And so it, it's also true that people who move to Japan and adopt, you know, Japanese lifestyles and, and diets start to have uh, extended longevity and greater mind span. And the same is also true of the Mediterranean people who move to or from the Mediterranean. You're, they're, they're, if they move to the Mediterranean, then their, their mind spans or lifespans increase. And uh, if they move out, they generally decrease. So we know that uh, genetics is not a dominant factor. Mm.
0: I was just going to say that it only takes about a generation for people to to for McDonald's to start winning over the kids <laughs> and the grandkids. That seems about that seems about right. I want to talk a little bit about some of the typical foods that we should be eating more for for a longer mind span, and and but then but then I I also want you to address how do we get the standard American to move from the standard American diet to something that's going to Increase mind span because that at the end of the day, as a clinician, Doctor Eastep, that's what I'm faced with. All the all of this is great. It's great research. It makes sense. But at the end of the day, how do we get people to incorporate all this in their daily lives?
2: Uh, well, there's a, that's a very complex question. Um, you know, it's uh, there are there are governmental measures, there are public health measures, and some some in some countries, those kinds of measures are very effective. In the U.S., they're not very effective, unfortunately. People uh, have a, um, a diversity of, of, of views and 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 habits that uh, differ substantially from governmental regulations or, 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 or recommendations. And so, um, uh, you know, there's not a lot we can do. But one of the things that we can do is that we can address the foods directly. Um, so, to, you know, to get to your... You know, to the heart of your question, you know, what did what do these MindSpan elite, what I call the mind span elite, you know, the, the 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 people who have the greatest mind spans in the world, what do they eat, and and how might the government, you know, affect um, that, you know, the food supply so that people are uh, are eating better foods. So, the the surprising thing that I found when I started researching, uh, you know, these people, these mind span elite uh was that they contrary to the prevailing opinion of the time and currently they eat a lot of carbohydrates they eat uh, m- most of their uh, food energy comes from purified carbohydrates so in the case of the japanese it's white rice right you know we're, we're told repeatedly yeah, uh, that, yeah. that foods like white rice are really bad for us, that they do terrible things, they raise our cholesterol, they raise our blood sugar, that, you know, that uh, they, they undermine our health in a variety of ways. But, but traditionally, the traditional Japanese, you know, all I can tell you for, for sure, <laughs> looking at the evidence is that the majority of the food energy that comes, you know, that, that, that is present in the Japanese diet is white rice. So that, that raises a really important question, right? Yeah. Uh, and that question is, is their white rice the same as ours? Uh, oh, that's yeah, an interesting
1: point. And I noticed that um, I read that you, along with identifying the, the white rice, you kind of identify other myths, things that we kind of think are good and may, we may want to question or these concepts, and you know, I'm I'm a clinical nutritionist, so yes, I'm one of those ones preaching, stay away from the white rice. But <laughs> but now, you know, it gives you a different perspective. And I knew that you had other ideas related to protein and iron. Can you talk about that a little bit as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, getting so getting back to you know this this issue of and this question of you know is is the Japanese white rice the same as the American white rice? This is sort of the fundamental um, scientific process, right? You find a, a, something that doesn't agree with your model, right? You've been told repeatedly, and the, and the data show repeatedly that white rice is not good for our health, so. So there's this nagging question, right? How do, how do the Japanese eat so much of this stuff and yet they're the healthiest people in the world with the lowest dementia, the greatest mind span? So when you look deeply into this issue, you find that Japanese white rice has never been enriched. Hmm. And when I, what I mean by enriched is that in the US and many developed countries, we enrich our rice to uh, to add nutrients back that are stripped out in the purification process. So when you make white white rice, you're stripping off the outer hull in the bran, and uh, what what many nutritionists say is the most nutritious part of the rice. You know, most of the fiber is gone. But one of the one of the key things that you find is that is that most of the iron's gone too, and what We've decided in the West is that it's important to replace that iron. So many European countries, the U.S., we actually mandate. There is a there since since the uh, uh, end of World War II. There was that, it actually started a little bit before that. From the from sort of the Depression era, uh, there was a move toward you know the the uh, enrichment of foods. There was a law put in place in many countries, including the U.S that mandated the replacement of iron in foods in which it was removed, particularly grain products. So almost all of the white rice sold in the U.S. and consumed in the U.S. is enriched with iron. And in the MindSpan elite countries in the Mediterranean and Japan, their rice and their pasta and their breads, they've never had any of which grain products.
0: I mean, it makes sense when you talk about the iron, right? We, you know, we, as, as, you know, somebody who, you know, recommends a lot of supplementation for people, I, you know, unless, unless, unless you're anemic, there's really not much of a need to be adding in iron, but yet we do that in, in, as you just say, the rice and yeah, people, if you, you know, eat a lot of that, that's a pro-oxidant. I mean, that's, and that's going to, that's going to cause some issues. So I never really thought of it, but it makes sense.
2: it is the most abundant and most potent pro-oxidant in the body.
0: Yeah. So that. So that's interesting. So what? So what? So okay. Okay. Now we gotta. Okay. From a government level, like we were just talking about, how do we make that change? I mean, that that's something taking away additives and stuff. I think is very difficult to do.
2: So do uh, we so just far,
0: get a bunch of rice from Japan?
1: <laughs> I know.
2: I, I, uh, I buy non-enriched rice. I buy, it, I, I, I buy both, um, uh, I, I buy Asian rice, you know, J- J- Japanese and Korean. And I also buy um, uh, Indian Pakistani rice, you know, okay. basmati rice. So um, you can get imported, a lot of imported rices are not uh, enriched. So I, I encourage everybody who, who eats rice and I do encourage uh, people to eat rice. It's it's really a, a great food. You have to eat the right rice, though. You not just uh, you know avoid enrichment, but you have to also know which rice is, is the best kind of rice. So my, in the Mindspan Diet, I I lay out all the guidelines for for which rices are are, are best for your diet. But um, the the key parameter I think is, or two key parameters are are low glycemic index and Not enriched with iron. Gotcha.
1: Now, what are other core eating principles of the Mindspan Diet?
2: Uh, So, getting back to your question about protein, uh, one of the surprising things that uh, I found about protein—it's actually not too surprising, given if if you are educated in the calorie restriction uh, literature—but you know, more typically, a you know a a a more common dietary recommendation is to have a, a high protein diet and that helps with weight loss. But the fact is that people of the Mindspan elite have a, a very low protein diet. And not only do they have a, a low protein diet, but there's a very big difference between animal sources of protein and plant mm-hmm. protein. Mm. And in the, in the calorie restriction research community, it's very well known that there are certain amino acids that are much more abundant in, in animal proteins that actually uh, are are have been implicated in accelerated aging. So, if you uh, you can you can actually recapitulate a calorie restricted diet by simply restricting certain individual amino acids that are very abundant in animal protein foods, like like you know red meat.
1: Wow. So, all right, so we have the the rice. So I got to
0: cha- I got <laughs> to change a that's lot some here. some discoveries here. Yes. I'm
1: trying to kind of put it all together. So, the, you know, rethinking rice. Well, rethinking carbohydrates, I think is is what I'm hearing, especially right. the enriched versions, kind of rethinking protein and focusing more in on uh, on plant-based sources of protein is that what I'm hearing versus right. animal-based.
2: <laughs> Really, you, you got to be really careful these days because one of the things that's happened in the last few years is that uh, is that plant-based foods have started to become hyper-enriched with iron. Um, <laughs> it's actually, you know, it's actually a long tradition of hyper-enriching plant-based foods with iron. You know, starting with breakfast cereals. Bre- most breakfast cereals that you see are, are enriched with iron. Right. Some of them. Give you like a hundred percent of your daily value of iron in a single serving. So avoid those at all costs. But one of the things that that concerns me now is this this uh, plant based uh, meat replacement mm-hmm. uh, with impossible foods and and beyond uh, meats. The reason that those plant based meats taste like beef is because they're hyper enriched with iron. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so we've got to be careful yes. with those as well. Our guest is Dr. Preston Step. He's the author of The MindStep Diet. You know, and to, Just to kind of summarize for the audience, uh, Dr. Estep, what would you like for them to know ultimately about what you're doing, what your focus is here uh, in, in, in the Mindspanned lifestyle?
2: So my, my primary focus is longevity of the mind. Uh, people, people want to live long. Right. It's a really important goal for most of us. But we don't want to live into uh, years of uh, dementia. We don't want to lose our faculties, our, our memories, because uh, those aren't quality years. Right. Those, then we're, you know, we're essentially not truly alive. So to achieve that, I think it's important to know the diet has been shown to be the number one most important variable, and that iron is probably the single most important variable within the diet. And if you get too much iron, uh, you're you're, uh, you're overloading with the most abundant and potent prooxidant in the body, and so that kills not just you know your cells and in, in your vasculature and and, and uh, you know your your other uh, tissues, but it, also in your brain, so you have to be very, very careful with your iron intake. But but it's also really important to understand that there is no one size fits all, mm-hmm. right? Some people are some people are iron deficient, and they actually need uh, a fairly high iron diet. So the first step in really uh, you know creating a precision medicine uh, solution for yourself is to measure your body iron stores Mm -hmm. to know how much iron is in your body to decide what your diet should be and whether or not you should supplement yeah and so the the way you do that there, there are a few different tests that you can take but unfortunately they're not the typical tests that most physicians give you at your annual physical so you have to actually know which test to take and know how to interpret those numbers to know whether or not you should be on a lower or higher iron diet. Gotcha. And
1: that would be the ferritin and, and the transferrin. Is that what you're referring to? That's right. Okay.
2: Dr. Yes. step where can
0: uh, any audience member go and purchase your book? Where is it available?
2: Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on other online bookstores. Uh, it's, it's harder to find uh, in uh, brick and mortar bookstores these days because it's uh, several years old. But... It's, you can find it online, and it's also on uh, in uh, an audio version and large print and uh, uh, seven different languages. All
0: right. Well, thanks for coming on today. By the way, you can also read an article about all this, right? Yes. LifeExtension.com slash span. Dr. Crystal, thanks for joining me today. Great show. Uh, by the way, LiveForeverish.com, load it with a bunch of podcasts. I, I don't even know what the count is anymore. It's a lot. So go check it out. You can download, like, share, comment, and of course, subscribe so you never miss a show. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks for listening.